Hello, and welcome back to Character Concerns, the podcast I started because sports went away for a while and I was the only person left in America without his own podcast. Once again, we are here to discuss a classic TV character. This time around, we're headed to the 90909 to talk about everyone's favorite teenage private eye, Veronica Mars. And here to do that with me is a man who, a long time ago, we used to be friends. It's Steve McPherson, everyone. Steve, how's it going, buddy? That was an excellent introduction. I <laughs> truly appreciate it. That was a good drop. Thank you. I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work something like that into every introduction I do. And it actually does fit for us because I would say a long time ago, we used to be friends. Not that we're not friends anymore, but certainly when you were still writing about basketball, we were much closer um, just because we were doing the same kind of thing all the time. We're still friends. But a long time ago, we used to be better friends. I mean, not so much better friends as like talk more regularly. Right. And we, we roomed together in Las Vegas uh, for Summer League uh, once. So you had to send me back my shirts because I think I left like two button-down <laughs> shirts. And then like you didn't mail them for like six months or something. <laughs> and so when they came back, I was like, bonus, extra shirts because uh, I'd had to replace them. So I think I waited until like I moved out of that apartment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> took quite some time. So it's safe to say that I uh, you know had some good qualities and some bad qualities. At that time, which is, you know, like six or seven years ago, at least now. And uh, certainly I was not as as punctual as our friend Veronica likes to be. Um, I, I want to start here, though, because I, I sent, you know, everybody in Slack, like a list of a bunch of different characters that I wanted to talk about on here. And you said you gave me a list of a few of them and I sort of narrowed it down uh, to Veronica. And I want to know why Veronica Mars was one of the, the characters that you wanted to talk about, what it is about her that that made you say, I, I want to get on to talk about her. So the thing about Veronica Mars is that I discovered the show uh, back in the day when Netflix was sent to you on actual discs. Um, oh, wow. So so this was circa 2006, 2005, 2005, 2006, I think. And so um, I had discovered the wonder of Netflix. I was living with um, a guy uh, who was another guitarist. We, I, was, I was roommates with him. And this was early in my relationship with uh, the woman who has now become my wife. And uh, I started watching Veronica Mars myself, uh, and then I got really into it, and I, I uh, got my now wife into it, and we got really into the show. Um, and it was, I believe it was still on at the time, um, I think, and but then it got canceled sort of as we were watching and catching up to it. It had three seasons uh, initially. And when that third season ended, it was very disappointing. We loved the show so much. We loved the character. Um, I thought that uh, Kristen Bell was just absolutely perfect uh, as Veronica Mars. And um, the thing that's really endured about the character is I think it's one of the few times where the internet has done something really good, which is hang on to that character so strongly that it actually got the series creator, Rob Thomas, to come back and make a movie and then make a fourth season, which was on Hulu this past year, uh, which did a lot of really actually interesting things with the character, I thought. And and again, Kristen Bell returned and now she's done other stuff. You know, she's done. Uh, she was a narrator on Gossip Girl. She was um, in Lie to Me. I think that's the name of the show. Is that right? Um, um, not lie to me. It was the other one. House of Lies. House of I Lies. Think? Thank you. Yeah, lie to me is the the Tim Roth one. This is the this is the Don Cheadle one. So House of Lies, and then obviously the Good Place, and I think has cemented her you know place as one of the preeminent television actresses of, of the genre, basically. And I think she showed she sort of flexed some of that ability even more so in the fourth season. And so as good as the initial uh, stuff with Veronica Mars was, and as compelling as I thought 
the, the show was and how well written it was and how well acted it was. Um, she showed even more range in that fourth season and bringing sort of an adult sensibility to the character in really interesting ways. And I think that, you know, it's one of those things that that when you go back and look at some of those early seasons with, you know, seeing how the character developed later on in these sort of return seasons, it gives you a renewed appreciation for the sort of depth. I mean, it's really one of those shows where the main character is so key to the feel of the show and and where the show went that I just think it's it's always a fun show to revisit. I mean, you know, I've watched, you know, maybe half a dozen episodes over the last week as I've been getting ready to talk about this. So uh, I'm really looking forward to getting into it. I planned to watch like a half a dozen or so episodes to prepare for this, and I ended up watching way more than that. <laughs> and and the entire fourth season that just happened again, because I, I think it's like eight episodes. Yeah. And I definitely agree with you that like the, the way the internet has played a role in this show, not just in making the movie and the fourth season. And then there was like sort of a, a fake spinoff that Ryan Hansen made about his efforts to create a Dick Casablancas <laughs> spinoff show. Right. And it is honestly one of the funniest things I've seen in my entire life. And just like, oh man, it's, it's great. Well, Ryan Hansen essentially started on this show and became one of Kristen Bell's best friends. And they talk about, you know, their relationship all the time. But the, the way you got into the show is interesting because I got into it in a much different way. I was just a fan of Kristen Bell's from a bunch of her other work. And when I saw that they were doing the Kickstarter to create the movie, I was like, oh, I know she was in that show and I never really watched it. So I'm going to, I donated to the Kickstarter and then just mm. binged all three seasons before nice. the movie came out. And I did it. It was like that summer after I got back from when we, room together in vegas that mm -hmm. was when i started watching veronica okay. mars for the first time um and then I, you know since then obviously it's just such a great show so you know well written everything is it makes you, you mentioned like the way the main character functions within the show basically makes the show what it is and that's like the perfect way to describe it especially in season one where it's just like every scene has veronica in some yeah. way like there's there's nothing that's happening that's not related to you know arching mystery of her investigating her best friend's death or her investigating what happened to her at the party where you know she was drugged and raped um and that's like an incredible burden for someone to shoulder especially you know on a show like this and i think the way the fourth season differed like i don't know that you could have made the fourth season the way it was where it's all like about the one self-contained mystery i don't know if you could have done that with a high school character i think it needed this you know adult version of veronica all these years later, just because of the way high school works, it, it doesn't work as well if everything is about, you know, this big mystery and it doesn't work if she's not able to do the kinds of things that adults can do. Right. Um, you know, and, and I think you see that through her relationship with the other teenage character um, in that season where there are things that she's trying to find out and trying to do that she can't, but Veronica can because she has all these years of experience having done what she did in high school. Um, but I thought that that season was really good. Certainly an improvement over the movie and, and I think an improvement also over um, the third season, which was the only thing that I didn't really watch my preparing for. Yeah, I think that the the movie the movie was extremely fan servicey, which I appreciated simply because I hadn't seen Veronica Mars in so long, and so it sort of hit all the notes. But a, a, a movie is not really where the character shines. I think that the, the sort of the slow development of a long arc over the season, interspersed with these sort of you know episode by episode mysteries, which is how the first two seasons especially were defined. I think you're I think you hit on something exactly exactly correctly there that it really fit high school and it really fits that that mold fits high school just I think in the way that we experience high school like even looking back at it where it's you know each year is this sort of like epoch you know it's like it's this whole thing that encompasses you know what happened that year but then within it there's all these little episodes that come along there's these different moments that happen and it really that tempo and that pacing really fits 
high school. And I think it was one of the challenges that they ran into when they got to college, actually, because I went back and watched some of the third season. It's got some great episodes and there's some elements that I really love in that third season, but it doesn't feel like college because it doesn't feel different enough from high school. Uh, It feels like they're sort of in high school, like, and just older. And so it doesn't land exactly right. Um, And then I think your point of that, the, the fourth season being eight episodes and being sort of much more sort of arranged like current prestige television where it's more about an overarching, you know, single mystery that happens over eight episodes that fits, you know, the character of an adult sort of detective or PI. And so I think that, you know, it's sort of interesting because I think that that it's true. Those first couple seasons work with that structure because of it being high school. And then, you know, the, they've evolved into it where this, I don't know if, I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about another season coming, but I mean, I would certainly welcome it. I think the writing, again, Rob Thomas and 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 the people he works with, the writing is so crisp. I, it's a thing I, I I watched. Uh, the only finale stuff I watched was I watched the finale of the last two episodes of season two, and I was struck by the fact that this the finale really works in a way that I feel like we've become used to fancy television like HBO stuff and you know all the sort of prestige drama things having atmosphere and a vibe and you know good cinematography and good writing and then just kind of fizzling out at the end like oh we don't really know how to make this mean something more and the finale of season two and i i think i believe the finale of season one also are this way they're just cracking it's just like you're they're they're they're, things are landing everything is coming together there's action there's um you know there's heart to it and everything like that it feels wrapped up you're sort of seeing the fruition of an entire season come together and they just work as like fun television. Like I'm never bored watching those like finales. And I think that's, it's kind of a traditional TV thing as opposed to the way that we treat TV now, but man, they just, they know how to write and that's fantastic. It's great for sure. Like, and, and I definitely agree with you about the finales and it, another way it's different is just, you know, with a lot of the sort of prestige TV stuff now, and especially like the HBO shows, they tended to have, you know, the climax action happen in the second to last episode. Right. And the last episode would be sort of like a denouement, um, you know, very much so the Sopranos, very much the wire, very much like Mad Men, even Breaking Bad sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, Veronica Mars, all of that was happening in the season finales, um, which again, it just, if you really land it well and wrap up the season tightly, like they did, especially in those first two seasons where they found culprits for the big mysteries that made sense. And there had been enough hints dropped that they could have been responsible, but were not the obvious suspects that they had been pointing toward right. all year like the reveal of Aaron Eccles as Lily Kane's murderer in the first season is just unbelievable because you know first of all it brings in like why the hell is Harry Hamlin on this show playing this ridiculous role as Logan's movie star dad um it also brings in like you know there was that scene a few episodes earlier where he had beaten the daughter's boyfriend and then just gets up and like you know smiles at Logan and Veronica and it gets in like his infidelity and all the different women in the town that he slept with and Lily having a secret that she can't keep from anybody like everything wraps up perfectly and then the same thing with beaver where in season two like everything about the way his character was developed how he's so put upon by dick and his friends and made fun of about all these different things you know about not having sex or things like that and it all comes together as being like the motivating factor of why he did what he did and it's just like the way they wrap that all up in the final season and and really in the the final minutes of those episodes um, you know, they, they they basically reveal the killer at the midway point of each of the season finales and then spend the rest of it on like, you know, either Veronica and Keith or Veronica herself chasing after them or Veronica and Logan um, in season two. It's just the way they do it in, in those two seasons, especially it's great. And the reason the third season didn't work the same way was they sort of had three mysteries going on that, you know, they wrapped up the, the rapist storyline mm-hmm. um, 
know, sort of halfway through the season and then wrapped up the murder storyline with a few episodes left and then did, you know, just a bunch of standalones to end the season. And it's just, it's not the same. And it's, you know, in college, you know, you mentioned it already, like they just bring everybody from high school to college. And that kind of thing is always sort of a cop out. Like you could have easily had Logan just hanging around as a rich guy. Like he didn't need to go to college, you know, like, and like, it doesn't make sense that Mac, like the smartest girl in the school, just like winds up at the same college with with Logan and with you know even Wallace who's there Wallace, for yep. Paul like it's it's not that Wallace was he's there for basketball anyway um I feel like we got very deep into the weeds um, yeah I know stuff I want to I, I know we're focused on Veronica specifically as a character and there's a lot of stuff I want to say about her I did want to get you you know you've mentioned some people already like Logan and and Wallace Fennell and 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 Harry Hamlin as, as Aaron Eccles and everything like that I, I also wanted to, I mean I feel like this is a good basketball comparison and since that's our roots I feel like this is a good place to put this in is that it's one of those shows where especially I mean other than Harry Hamlin there weren't like names in this show um you know uh, Keith Mars, Enrico Colantoni, like, you know, had some TV background. He's like the last listed person in the credits because he had been on other stuff. But mm-hmm. it's really got this like, you know, 04 Pistons like a feel to it where like everybody is just a contributor. And like, again, Dick Casablancas as a character is like a throwaway, but Ryan Hansen does such a fantastic job with him. That character, by the way, should be like so hateable. Yeah. And he might be the most, most likable character in the whole show. Yeah, there's just, they, they had a way of making people who you should like, like sort of dislike them. And then people who you should hate sort of like them, even if the people on the show sort of hated them. It was like, it, it's just the, the the cast they got is fantastic. I mean, and it's it's anchored by Kristen Bell. Um, you know, maybe she's the Giannis and the rest of them are sort of the Bucks, right? But like, mm-hmm. this is, it's it's a great balance and everybody plays off each other really well. I also came back with a huge, a much bigger appreciation for uh, Logan Eccles as a character after watching the fourth season and going back and watching some of the earlier seasons. Oh yeah, just like the character development that essentially happens all off screen between season three and the movie and then the movie and um, season four. And the, the way he's able to portray, like he's still very much recognizably Logan, but it's such a different, version of him and such a different person like so much more mature and that's obviously like a big a big um theme of that fourth season is how he's sort of like you know grown up and accepted his faults and tried to you know control his anger and veronica is like i said that i want that but actually what i want is you know and he, and he says it in that season like you want the green guy uh like the hulk um and and, and i do agree like the, the acting on the show not a lot of the people that are on it were names to start with anybody that is a name now became a name sort of because of that show um you know, and then maybe like Francis Capra Weevil had been in like a bunch of other shows and movies as like a criminal, um, and was in like Bronx Tale. And then you have like you know Ken Marino as Vinnie Van Lowe and oh, what a character! Um, God, he's so great. Every time you see him come on screen, you're just like, yes, this is gonna be great. <laughs> and like uh, Max Greenfield as Leo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, right. And um, what's his name? Uh, Darren Norris, who's like one of the most well-known voice actors ever as. Mm-hmm. Um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Um, um, the lawyer. It? Oh my god. Oh yeah. Um, Cliff. Cliff. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. I was just looking it up. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just a great cast altogether, and it's like I, I think the Bucks comparison is a good one. Like you know, Veronica is Giannis, Logan is Middleton, and Keith is I guess Brooke Lopez because he's older. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, let's yeah. let's get into to all the different uh, things we're going to talk about here. What do you think is sort of the defining characteristic of Veronica as a character, um, not necessarily as the, the, the show and her place in it, but what is her defining trait? I think that I, I thought about this a lot. And I think that the, the thing that encapsulates her is, is that she manages to be at once both incredibly idealistic and incredibly cynical and hold both of those things at the same time 
and work from within both of them. And, you know, I think that a lot of the tension comes from when those things get crossed, when she believes in somebody who lets her down and it just feels like a reminder of how much she's been let down so often in her life. Um, I, I think that as I've watched, you know, I watched sort of a smattering of episodes from different seasons. And I think that always comes across because she's treated by everyone as this, this expert, this kind of badass, um, you know, in a way, but also sort of an outsider because she won't let people close to her for a, a variety of reasons, including, you know, stuff with her mother in the first season and obviously the sexual assault. Um, that that sort of hardness, that 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 feeling that like she's not going to let people in, um, it, it doesn't make her, though, seem jaded ultimately because she wants to help people and she does things all the time that are selfless. She does uh, she does things selflessly for other for other people. She takes on cases that she's not going to get paid for. Um, you know, she just sort of understands that the world is hard and it's not going to give you anything, but she wants to still give people things in the world. And there's a lot of other elements. There's a lot of shadings to it. There's other things about her. I, I would love to get into some of the questions. I, I, I was noticing how with, again, with Beaver and sort of the conclusion of the second season and also even the storylines at Hearst, how much of the show is based on um, sexual assault, like how much of it oh, is yeah. the, the violation of different people in that way and how the show is able to do that, I think, through Veronica, because the show is so much about power and class at the same time. And I think that that sexual assault is one is like a physical manifestation of that class difference that sort of drives the show because, you know, right away, I thought was, was so smart at the beginning. And again, it's one of the things that establishes her as a character right away is she's someone who can move between worlds. And that's one of the things that nobody seems to be able to do in Neptune except for her. She was, she was a nobody. And then she was part of the O-Niners because she was dating Duncan. And then she was sort of exiled from that group, but she knows what that group is about, but she knows what, you know, other groups are about and her ability to interface with, with Weevil, with, with Wallace, with Logan, with Duncan, she can sort of uh, code switch across all of those those groups. And I think that that some of that ability is grounded in that sort of cynicism mixed with a kind of idealism. And I, I guess I just sort of feel like that's what I was really seeing this time through watching a bunch of episodes. That's a really good way to put it. I think in particular, the, the cynicism is sort of something that's baked into, you know, noir style detective shows. And that's something that you're going to sure. find in basically every character at the center of those shows, but she has, I think I agree like what you said, not necessarily an optimism or, or even like a faith in people, but just sort of the hope that if she does everything she can, that she can make a good result happen out of it. Or if Keith does everything he can, he can make a good result happen out of it. Um, and I think that that was sort of where I went with my defining characteristic was just like the persistence, like everything that she decides she's going to investigate. Like there's, she never half asses any of the cases that she takes on and in particular the big cases that she takes on she goes so far beyond the kind of things that most people would do to figure out you know what's at the heart of it and who hurt the people either that she loves in, in the case of lily or who hurt her in the case of her rape and you know who hurt you know her her friends in the bus crash or someone who you know she felt guilty about and just because meg was on the bus and she didn't think she would have been there if it wasn't for her or you know at a certain point in that season she thought the bus crash was meant for her so it was like you know she felt guilty about that as well so like the the very personal things that happen she takes those to heart and does anything possible to figure out you know who's responsible and bring them to justice and even when she takes on you know like a small case you know for example in season one there's the you know wallace's girlfriend got scammed out of like six thousand dollars or something like that and oh, great episode of, great episode one of my favorite episodes and probably the first episode that i was like all right um 100 all in on this show um you know she puts on disguises and 
two of them in the span of the same episode and scams her way into a room and pretends to be drunk and, you know, gets Wallace into, you know, a bunch of different places that he shouldn't really be in and gets Keith into places he shouldn't be in. It's just like so many of the things that she does, you know, in, in service of figuring out who hurt the people close to her. You know, she takes on things for Logan. She takes on things for Duncan. She takes on things for, for Meg, for Mac, for Wallace, for Wallace's mom, for everybody. Um, and it, it's all about using her will and stick to itiveness, I guess, to to make things better for herself and for other people. Um, and, and there's a lot of times where she does things that are questionable or morally gray in order to do that. But there's no question that she will go to sort of the end of the earth to do what she can for the people, not just who hire her, but for the people who are. Yeah, there's there's this kind of swagger about her, you know, especially when she's on the job and she's a risk taker and she's fearless. And I think that goes along with that sort of persistence you're talking about where she's just going to try to find any route, you know, that she can. And, you know, it's sort of juxtaposed with, again, these moments of vulnerability for her, which makes it really effective because there's an element of her, which is very Han Solo-ish, which is very sort of like swashbuckler, like when she's out, like there's that, I was just watching um, one of the episodes in season three um, where they're looking for, you know, the rapist and people who, the rapist like shaves the girl's heads, right? She goes into the wig shop and she's trying to like get information about someone who got a wig and she's making up this whole story about, you know, how it's her, her sister. And she's, <laughs> you know, she, she was, she got chemo and she's fighting this thing, but she ran away from home. It's like, and so she asked for the name. The woman's like, how do you not know your sister's name? And she's like, we don't know what name she's using, you know, like this whole thing. And then the woman is like, uh, she was Hawaiian. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh, and she just walks out, you know? And so that, I think that's very appealing and it's fun. It makes for these great moments. And I think you're exactly right that that sort of that willingness to go above and beyond and 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 stick to it through all kinds of difficulties um is a huge a huge defining character yeah I, I think so for sure what do you think just in terms of like obviously she has plenty of other qualities in addition to those like what are her you know her, her good traits i have you know a few of them one of them you just mentioned she's an excellent actress like she'll fully commit to anything like that yeah. um, and obviously she's like intensely loyal to the people close to her as well um you know keith wallace um, that's really it just in terms of the one she's always 100% loyal to. Um, and then I get, I suppose Mac as well, everybody else, um, We'll get to that in a minute. But what are what are some of the other good characteristics that you think she's got? Well, I think that we, we've touched on a lot of them already. And I think that in, in true, again, one of the things that I think makes the show special is that a lot of those best traits are can also be flipped as some of her worst traits in the sense of that sort of tragic flaw element because her loyalty obviously drives her so strongly. But you see her put her loyalty uh, in her mom, you know, and then have that sort of disappointment come back on her in the first season. There's plenty of times when she's, uh, been loyal to someone and then been betrayed by them. Um, this actually comes up in, I think that you, you said that that episode where uh, she gets the money back from the hack, like the computer nerds basically, which is the fourth episode of the first season. I actually can't, I think the moment that I really clicked with her was the fifth episode of that season, which is where she gets the boyfriend, Troy Vandergraaf, who ends up being a con man. And I think what was really satisfying about that moment for me, because it was because, you know, you thought she was, tough, you know, and she knew what she was doing, but you also thought maybe she was going to be led astray and you thought she was being led astray until she just flips it on him at the last second. And the reveal of that, that she has like turned it around on this guy who was just sort of like screwing her over. Uh, it was really the moment that I was like, this show is for me. Like I am definitely down to watch all of this show. And so that's the thing is that like, there's this, there's this tension between her good and bad traits because a lot of those good traits can end up sort of hurting her in the long run. Um, and that's, I think that's a good interaction for characters to have. Yeah, the, the moment you just described with Troy, that was the first thing I had on my list when we talk about, you know, the best moments that she has is, you know, when she, the episode where she outsmarts Troy and the, just the reveal at the end of him on the phone with, you know, his his girlfriend. And she's like, what did that girl Veronica have to say? Like, 
that's just the the way they reveal it and the the note that is in there and that he has to read. It's great. Um, I, I think also just like she has a very strong moral code. Sometimes that moral code leads her to do bad things, but mm-hmm. like very clearly she has. Um, I don't know that she necessarily sees the world in black and white, but there are lines that if people cross them, it's just like okay, that's no good, and you know I'm going to take these actions to get back at you or you know to 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 put you in your place in some way. Um, there are. There are ways that she sort of flexes within that to make it adhere to like whatever I need to do, like it's moral because I need to do it to get the answers I need or to get into somewhere that I'm not supposed to be like she's she's flexible in it. But I do think she has a very strong sense of these are the things I I think are right. These are the things I think are wrong. And if I take those actions, that might be right for me but wrong because you did that you know you don't you don't know what i'm trying to say like if if someone broke into veronica's house that would be wrong but she does it all the time because she's trying to get answers yeah i mean and i think that's one of the things that um i feel like that defines characters who really have not necessarily a moral code but a real sense of morality um in the sense that it's not like i follow a b and c but it's like this is the end that i need to achieve and i'm willing to it's sort of the 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 you know, the essence of like a chaotic good type character, right? That, that you're, you believe in an ultimate good for these things. Um, along the way, some rules might have to be broken in order to achieve them. And then some of the most interesting parts of the show are when she breaks them, but it, it doesn't end up working out well. Or when she, you know, I'm trying to think of the, the, there was that episode in the first season, which I think is where Jessica Chastain is in it, which is one of her first uh, appearances. Right in anything. And she's sort of trying really hard to protect her, but she ends up sort of messing it up, um, which was one of her first big like failures in an episode. I feel like remembering where it was like, no, you just read this wrong and it, it, it you screwed it up. Um, and it put Keith in danger, I think. And, you know, so it sort of showed her that she was fallible. And I think that that's an important element of it too. And I think that also that, that morality interfaces in an interesting way with Logan Eccles over the course of the whole show, because Logan is obviously just a degenerate to begin the show. Mm-hmm. And I always hated Logan when I was watching it the first time through. Um, but I think that you see how her sense of morality bends around him in a lot of interesting ways. And then I think as we alluded to in that fourth season, you begin to see that that he's actually grown in a way that she has not been able to. And that becomes an interesting element later on, because I think that some of, I think maybe one of her worst traits is, is a sort of intractability or like an, an inability to move past, you know, you know, it's sort of like a high school quarterback. I mean, her sort of her glory is high school, right? That was as not sort of popular. She wasn't popular in the high school or anything like that. But that's sort of the apex of her powers is like you're young. People underestimate you. You can do all this stuff because no one is going to think twice about, you know, a teenage girl doing this stuff. They're just going to ignore it. And so she could get away with so much stuff. And then you see in that fourth season how like she hasn't really moved on from that moment in her life, whereas the rest of a lot of other people have, have managed to have kids. You know, Wallace has kids and has a kid and everything like that. So that becomes an interesting element of, of her of her character and that that tenacity and that persistence served her so well, but it has also sort of left her stuck in the long run. Yeah, I think that you could sort of narrow that down to just like she gets tunnel vision very easily. And then, yeah. you know, if she's focused on something, that's the only thing that matters in the world. And she'll, you know, discard people or betray people very easily. There's also just like, you know, you mentioned like worst traits. Like I think she is very quickly willing to believe the worst in people, you know, especially Logan. Like there how many times has she accused Logan of being like a murderer or the culprit of something in, in season one? You know, it's like ten different times. Right. Um, which which granted he was horrible to her, so there was reason she had to be skeptical of him, but also like she jumps very quickly from I'm dating Logan now to oh my God, Logan's a murderer, uh, <laughs> without even asking him about anything. 
Um, and, you know, she, she does that, you know, with other people, too. And in, in, in season four, that's you know something that I think is one of her worst moments that we'll talk about later on when she she bugs her new friend, Nicole, you know, the Kirby Howell Beth East mm-hmm. character. Like, this is someone that she's clearly friends with and someone that she reaches out to in times where she's upset. But also, like, she bugs her just in case she's the one, you know, blowing things up on the boardwalk, right. um, which is, you know, obviously not a, a great character trait for someone to have. Um <laughs> You know, I, th- I think also she is obviously very willing to break the law. Um, she lies incredibly easy, which can't make it, um, you know, easy to be friends with her. Uh, at times, she could be too quick to use her taser. Um, <laughs> some of her best I moments, think, too, though. We'll talk about yeah, that. <laughs> yes, definitely some of her best moments involve that taser. But, you know, if, if you were living in the same world as her, it's not necessarily a person that you are going to want to encounter, you know, just in case she might pull that taser out on you. Um, also, with few exceptions, pretty bad taste in men. Um, you know, like Fair. Troy, not great. Duncan, perhaps the least interesting person in the entire world. <laughs> um, his not great. Um, and then I just think like she finds Duncan interesting on any level. That to me is a pretty big character flaw. Duncan, Duncan is an issue. Um, I mean, it, it, it works because he is sort of supposed to be like the blandly popular, you know, class president type with no nothing really going on upstairs. Um, but in, in the couples, the, in a couple, uh, sh- you know, episodes where they need him to stretch a little bit to show, you know, like when he's taking his, is he taking his antidepressants and like, you know, he's, it doesn't, it, it's fine, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't carry the show the way that like a lot of the other, you know, performances can carry the show. It's just, it's a little, it's a little hollow. If you had put like Jason Doring Logan in that role, it would have been a much more interesting character and performance. Like, yeah. The, the guy who played Duncan, I don't think, is an actor anymore and didn't act very much after Veronica Mars. And just like, it's sort of like an obvious weak link when, you know, when Kristen Bell is throwing 100 miles an hour and Jason Doring is great. And even people in small parts like Ryan Hansen or, you mm-hmm. know, Tessa Thompson as Jackie yeah. in season two. Like, you know, every everybody is, you know, dealing out there. And you got the, the one guy who was like. He was outmatched. He was outmatched. It, right. It's, it's, it's part of the character that he's supposed to be sort of like a bland space cadet who has everything handed to him and just like, you know his dad says he's going to run for class president. And all of a sudden he wins class president, you know, like everything's sort of handed to him on a silver platter. So it makes sense in terms of him not necessarily being all that charismatic, but certainly an obvious weak link in, in terms of the, the acting, which that is not necessarily a fault in Veronica that she finds him interesting because it's a, an actor that's not as great, but there's just nothing there in terms of him as a, a person that, you know, the, the heroine of the show should be like, you know, this, this is a worthy companion for me it's just like he's the popular guy and she should be able to do better than that and obviously she does you know throughout a lot of the rest of the show but yeah yeah. i agree so um i don't think we really need to talk much about like what's her place on the show like she is the center of the universe that's it yeah basically like yeah so (laughs) um, uh, are, are there any other characters tv or movies that you could think of that are like Veronica Mars. Well, I mentioned I mentioned Han Solo. Um, and I don't exactly see her as Han Solo, but I think that especially as you look at the, you know the fourth season and sort of that the way that her behavior has sort of isolated her, um, and you think about the the full arc of of Han Solo, um, including you know the movie that sort of shows uh, him you know being in love and being hurt and sort of becoming jaded and how you know some of his upbringing led to his distancing himself from causes and things like that i do see a certain connection there in terms of veronica because she outwardly she she, she sort of projects this sang froid of like i'm cool and i know what i'm doing and and again when she's when she's dealing as you said like as a character in her job um of being a private investigator it's just it's 
super fun to watch in a lot of the same way that that Han Solo is fun to watch that way. But there is this sort of softer core under there that that, you know, when it's revealed is, is all the more moving because of how cold the exterior can be. Um, and then I think, you're, you know, we talked about other where you mentioned other film noir sort of detectives. And I think there's an element of that. Um, I think in a lot of ways she draws um, the character and, you know, as it evolves, I feel like Kristen Bell pulled onto some of this. And I think it even comes over in the good place as well. Some of that kind of like brainy John Cusack energy um, from a sort of like 80s or 90s rom-com male lead where it's like, I'm almost too smart to really, you know, like not mess up a relationship. And I think, I think she brings some of that with like how fast and quick and witty she is. Um, And I, you know, I think that there's, there are a lot more, um, precedent set by like male characters for Veronica Mars and there were female characters, which I think is kind of interesting. That's a really interesting way to think about it for sure. I think also like there's a pretty clear separation in terms of like, if you can find characters like her between the first three seasons and then, you know, the movie or the fourth season, like especially the fourth season, like go find any lead detective of, you know, a short season murder mystery show. And it's a lot like Veronica is like in that fourth season, but you go back to, especially seasons one and two, like there are, a lot of you know high school characters that have some similarities with Veronica, and there are a lot of private detectives that have some similarities with Veronica. But obviously, there's nobody that combines those type of things, and there don't there aren't really a lot of high school TV show characters that have someone who serves the kind of function Veronica does, where she switches between all the different groups, but mostly as an antagonist to most of them because mm-hmm. she's always sort of like investigating their lives. You know, anytime yeah. there's an an antagonist on like a high school show, it tends to be within one specific group. And anytime there's someone that floats between all different groups, it's because, you know, they're buddy buddy with everybody and, you know, able to, to socialize with all different kinds of groups of people. And and the way she operates within all the different groups uh, in high school is really interesting. And then obviously, you know, private detectives, they're generally not high school students um, and are not investigating the kind of things that, that high school students would investigate, but she has like the, the intelligence and, and self-awareness that private detectives have that and then the people she's investigating generally don't and you transplant that into high school too like it's just it's such a unique character that you know you do have to go to, to people like han solo or you know any kinds of other characters like you can't find necessarily a high school character that's like her you can't find necessarily a private detective that's like her it needs to be sort of like a, a lone wolf character who is not necessarily out for themselves and that's a really hard character archetype to find. Yeah, yeah, that that lone wolf who's not out for themselves is a really yeah, that's a really good way to describe it. It's almost like when you you know as you were talking about it and the sort of crossing different cliques but not really but sort of in an antagonistic way. It's almost like a bizarro Ferris Bueller and I think in some ways because you know, you, if you think about Ferris Bueller's day off, it's you know, you have the 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 secretary saying that you know, he's friends with everybody. Like everybody thinks he's cool. Um and it's like nobody thinks Veronica is cool, but they all need her help, you know. And whereas Ferris has sort of a devil may care, none of this really means anything, you know, like he's just risking it to risk it. Um, she is doing that stuff in order to help people. And so it's sort of, but, but the, the method of doing it is kind of the same, right? Because you see Ferris Bueller has all these, these sort of hacker ability, you know, these sort of private investigator abilities, like switching how many days he's absent and things like that. Like, and he's using it in the service of his own good time. But I think there's something about that idea of somebody who's so skilled at so many different things connecting with different populations in high school, you know, like that scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off where they're in the hall and like talking about how he's sick and he's like, man, he's he got me out of summer school. Like, I hope I don't have to go, you know, like all the stuff that he can do that's sort of Veronica Mars-esque stuff. It's just that she's doing it with a little different motivation, but I definitely feel like there's a little bit of a connect. That's a really good point. And I'm angry at myself that I didn't think of Ferris <laughs> as just like, 
he's like he has you know Cameron as his best friend, and he has you know uh, his girlfriend um, Sloane. Sloane. I don't know why I was going to say Simone, but Sloane. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's like you know Veronica has Wallace, and she has Logan. Um, but you know Ferris is doing it so he can have fun, or so he can get Cameron to have fun, basically. And Veronica does it, you know, a lot of times to help people, a lot of times to you know to figure out who again hurt either her or someone that she cares about but you know not just people come to her for help but also they know that when they do they can count on her whether she likes them or not like she's willing to help people that she is you know not fond of i think probably the only person she would never help is like the sheriff and maybe (laughs) madison sinclair yeah oh man that's sheriff don lamb don lamb i was uh, shocked again to see again (laughs) even uh jerry o'connell in the movie as his brother is great as like he totally believed that they could have been brothers and they have like essentially the same personality and you know the jerry o'connell character is like even more malevolent uh, and stupid um (laughs) but yeah um so what do you think her her best moment is? We already talked about obviously the episode where she outsmarts Troy, but I think that there are a few others that stand out to me as like you know really really bought, uh, got me to buy in on her. I'm curious to see what what yours are. I think that if the the first episode I went back and watched, um, which again is not for like a, a, a character arc necessarily, but it was like this moment that again it's sort of it's it's into season two. And so you sort of know who she is, but it's one of those, I think that another thing that we didn't, we didn't really bring up, but one of the things that I find really compelling about her, um, maybe just personally in a certain way is that she really channels like rage in a really productive way. And it's the kind of thing that I find myself wishing I could do. And I don't know if it happens in, in, in like real life or if this is just a story thing, but you know, those moments when she is really furious about something, it doesn't, it doesn't overwhelm her actions and it doesn't leave i mean sometimes it leaves her frustrated but it's like she she often finds this way to sort of just take whatever is making her infuriated and then do something with it and this is sort of one of those moments it's in um uh, the episode the rapes of graph which first of all is a great title for an episode yes. it's episode 16 of the second season and it's when troy vandergraff comes back into her life because she's touring hearst and he's you know a pre-frosh like she is and he is accused of of date rape in this episode which is why it's called the rapes of graph um but the moment that i'm thinking of is is she goes to a party at hearst and uh with wallace and uh, there's some great cameos in this uh season um uh, what's the guy's name from arrest development now i'm blocking michael sarah michael sarah and then also um the woman um, uh, I can't remember her name. She's maybe on Arrested Development. Um, Al- Alia Shawcott. Yeah, thank you. So they're both in this. And so so um, she goes, she's going to this party and there's this complete just douche, right? Who was like talking to her at the beginning of the, of the party and is like talking about the score. And it's this whole thing about the frat that they have a scoreboard for, for girls. And he's like, you're a blonde. That's 30 points and natural. That's another 10 points. And you're like all this stuff. And it's like, that's how much it's worth. If you, if you like take her to bed. Right. And that's, mm. and she's just like, this is disgusting. Whatever. She walks away. It's, she throws a beer on him, right? Like she throws a beer on him and then he's like, oh, how do you like it? And picks up a beer and she throws that beer into his face. And then like they sort of break up, like Troy tries to show up and like show him up. And then the guy just punches Troy in the face, which first of all is sort of emasculating for Troy. You know, the sort of the, 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 the scene is winding down and she's leaving the party. And then she walks by that guy is talking to some other girl and she like steps by him and then just stops and comes back and just tases him unconscious. <laughs> and that moment, it was like, I was just dying. And that's just, it's, it's, it's not a complicated moment. It's not a moving moment, but it's one of those things that I'm just, it just it was so Veronica. And I love that. Well, some of her being able to do productive things with her rage is just the fact that she's a TV character and there are people, you know, pulling the strings in terms of her emotions that can make sure. her be someone who can sort of channel her rage in that way. And in this kind of show, probably 
need her to be someone who can channel her rage in that way. Otherwise, she probably wouldn't be a very effective right. investigator. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That's why, you know, the, the one that stood out to me as one of the great moments is the episode where uh, Logan invites or Weevil gets himself invited to Logan's poker game. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Logan, Weevil, Duncan, um, some random guy who's only in the one episode is an actor who used was in a movie with Aaron once and is now like, you know, a teen heartthrob kind of guy. And then the character, Sean, that they introduce in that episode. And she the way she figures out who robbed the poker game and then gets herself invited to the game in his place and then all of a sudden shows off at the end that she actually is like an expert poker player and you know knew everything the whole time like that that to me is one of the the great solves that she has and the way you know she treats um sean who is essentially veronica's equivalent as someone who doesn't belong quote unquote among the you know the o-niners but decided that he was just gonna act as if he did and everybody bought it whereas veronica would never do that you know she wouldn't but you know betray what she actually is and present herself as something that she's not except in terms of like obviously going undercover for something like she would never have been like oh i'm actually a rich girl and you know the the way she is totally dismissive of sean doing that um and that somehow sean winds up in the movie actually being like a rich person who you know dating bonnie deville or whatever her name (laughs) was like right it's it's very strange but um you know (laughs) another thing like any time where she gets over on Sheriff Lamb is a great moment. Just the way she interacts with him in so many different episodes, like the one where she gets um, you know, accused of making fake IDs and she just sort of plops herself down in his office and says that, you know, the culprit is gonna show up eventually yeah. and it'll prove that she didn't do it. That's a great episode. Um yeah. and anytime she's dealing with Leo, you know, Max Greenfield's character, I think is great. The their interactions after the first season where he's sort of like in love with her anytime that they're interacting in season two, season three, the movie, uh, the fourth season, like they just have such an easy rapport together. And yeah, I ship it. That was, that's what I always wanted. I think Leo is the one I always wanted for Veronica. <laughs> I, I kind of like Logan with her just because he's the only one that is really able to match wits with yeah. her and yeah. equip with her until Leo was able to do that in the fourth season, mm-hmm. um, which is, is really interesting. And that's sort of like the way they present the dichotomy of, you know, she, she wants that from Logan, and now that he's mature too, like, yeah. Um, worst moments. Um, anytime she takes Wallace for granted, to me, like they they have him eventually call it out where he's he's like, you know, all you do is ask me for things. And there's one time where she drags him into the bathroom, and when she says I need a favor, he at the same time is like I need a favor. Um, you know, when he she has him bug. Uh, Clarence Weedman's office, like knowing that that could possibly put him and his mom in danger. Um, there's another time where, you know, when Keith and Alicia tell Wallace and Veronica that they're dating and Veronica's like, yeah, I don't care. My mom's coming back. Yeah. And she just sort of doesn't take Wallace's feelings into account. Basically to me, anytime that she takes Wallace's friendship for granted, that's, you know, to me really a bad moment. Cause he's so loyal to her and does so much for her. And, she clearly cares about him too and would do anything for him, but she does take him for granted at times. And those are the moments where I'm always like, you need to recognize what this dude does for you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think very similarly, and you mentioned already that the two people that she is sort of unfailingly loyal to are Wallace and Keith. And I think that anytime that she takes Keith for granted, I, and I, I feel this differently now. I think that I am a father. Um, I mean, my, my oldest who's eight is obviously not close to, um, you know, 
having to deal with 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 her the way that Keith has to deal with Veronica. But the, you know, this, the arc of of Keith dating the guidance counselor, um, where he has like a great scene. I wish I hadn't I haven't watched it recently, but he has a great scene with her where he's just like, "I get to have a life." <laughs> I think is one of the things he says, and it's really one of those moments where you you are so. In, in on Veronica's side by that point, um, you're like, she, you know, yes, she's flawed, but I'm totally going to ride with her, like for whatever she's doing. And that's one of those moments where you're like, uh, maybe you're, maybe you're a little too deep into yourself at this moment and not really appreciating that, like your father needs to be able to move on with his life in some ways. Um, I think that, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a bad moment for her. It's a good moment for the show because I think it was really one of the first times you saw Keith kind of, you know, flex that, you know, he has needs as well. He ultimately, you know, ends that relationship in a very mature way in a great scene with the guidance counselor, I think, where he's just like, I can't, I can't do this Um, because of Veronica. She just needs, we need more time. Um, And that's a great scene for Keith. Uh, But I think it's a bad, it's a bad stretch for Veronica because you really see that as much as good, as much good as she does, she, she leans on some people um, in ways that hurt them. So. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. That whole arc is is really good. Like Veronica tries to present it as if it's just about the fact that she's the guidance counselor when clearly by her actions you can tell that it's not. And that's sort of the the stretch where is that that early on where Troy is there? Where because it's like Veronica investigates his girlfriend, but Keith doesn't investigate her boyfriend, I think, is sort of the way it goes down, if I'm remembering correctly. It's definitely it's pretty early um, that it starts. It sort of it sort of lingers for a while. I think like I think that there's I think it might be one of those things where it starts and then it kind of cools and then it comes back and then this sort of leads to sort of the final like this isn't going to happen over the course of more episodes. But yeah, it is it is something because like yes, Keith drops like a, a file on on Troy Vandergraaf. I think um, mm-hmm. sort of to say hey, I did this like you did it to my girlfriend. Or so yeah, so that, I mean I, I, it makes sense in the in the in the sense of if you're thinking about how to make a television show like this, they had to introduce some kind of you know like Aegon for Keith early on you know like they had to give him some some reason for being there some kind of some kind of direction for his character other than just being Veronica's dad so it makes sense that they would have gone to that reasonably yeah I think that there are, are sort of other qualities where she like the thing where she's re- ready to believe the worst in people very quickly like you know a lot of her worst moments are like, you know, she accuses Logan of murder like 15 times. She accuses Weevil of like a bunch of crimes that he didn't commit. Um, and then in, in season four, there are three really like, you know, knockdown, drag out argument kind of scenes with her and Weevil where she's like telling him off and being like very dismissive of someone who she's had, you know, a relationship with for so long. And obviously Weevil did something that, you know, she didn't approve of in terms of his dropping the case so he could try to get money mm-hmm. and, you know, going back to his life of crime and those things disappointed Veronica but the way she treats him after that like it just shows like a complete inability to see things from his side at all and just the way she treats him in that season you know specifically in those arguments that we get to see on screen like it's it's made clear that this is all their relationship is now where Weevil's trying to to reach out and she's just very much shutting him down and you see and after one of those arguments they show her after he walks out and it's like you know she has to you know take a breath and it's like she's making the choice to do yeah. this and, and yeah. cut him out this way. And that's something that's, that's not great. And then also in that season, also like she bugs Nicole, which is obviously mm-hmm. a, a bad moment for her too. And then like, you know, a lot of season three, she is very skeptical of Logan and his motives. And she also is kind of a dick to Piz for the first half of that season. Not that I care about that because Piz sucks, but <laughs> um, she is We're kind of like a dick. Piz, Cause I have, I have some Piz issues to work through. Yeah. Um, Honestly, the, the best thing they did with Piz is in that Ryan Henson attempted fake spinoff thing where he's like, 
where Ryan Hansen asks Chris Lowell to come back and play Piz, and he's just like, "No, fuck you! Like, <laughs> I'm never doing that again." Um, that's the that's the best thing about any part of Piz's character. But yeah, yeah. My issue with Piz, I think my issue with Piz is that I see a lot of myself in Piz, and that's not great um, <laughs> for me. Um, I mean, I think of. You know, I was, you know, not to, not to go over my entire life story or anything like that, but I was one of those guys who, you know, sort of had a hard time just like dating um, in, in sort of high school and into college. Like I, I was a, a person who I had a hard time just sort of casually being like, hey, let's hang out and we'll see where it goes. It was like I would get, need to get to know somebody really well. And then by the time I got to know them really well, we were sort of already friends. And then I decided I had, you know, I had feelings, but it was too far down that other road. And and so I think I see a lot of that in Piz. And so watching it, I identify with Piz and I hated Logan during that whole third season. And then, you know, but then I was also like, but that's bad. Like Piz is bad, but that's that's what I was at that age, you know? And so it's very, it's, it's I'm very conflicted. <laughs> A lot of that season, honestly, they just make everybody kind of unlikable in, in in ways that make sense because that might be how people would act in those situations. But it's like the only person that's all that likable in that season is Dick, and Dick is like clearly the worst person out of all of them. So yeah. that that should not be the dynamics of the yeah. show. I will say Piz Piz has a good episode. The episode with Paul Rudd as an aging, terrible yes. rock star, Desmond Fellows. Um, I watched that again recently. And first of all, Paul Rudd is a joy. He has a goddamn joy in anything he's in, and he's fantastic. He calls Piz like Paz and Puzz and Pud. <laughs> And, and like just everything and he has no regard for him. But, you know, Piz actually has a good moment in that he sort of pulls uh, Paul Rudd's character out of this funk a little bit to just play some of the new stuff rather than just playing the hits. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of maybe Piz's like high point, which also says something about Piz. But that is a great episode, by the way. Yeah, and then just like um, I think a lot of it with Piz also is like they basically sold us so hard late in the second season, especially that like clearly Veronica and Logan are, you know, meant for each other in some way and then to sort of go back on that and have her with someone else you know yeah. midway through her next year of school like come on you, d- you did all this hard work selling us on veronica and logan in season one and then bringing them back to each other after such a long time apart in season two and now you're just going to drive them apart again you know granted through actions that both logan and veronica take that make sense within their characters but you didn't have to do that like there was no reason to set them on that course where you had them break up and then she goes to someone else like and, yeah. and, and his is sort of the avatar for their choice to do that and then especially in the movie too like it seems very obvious from the beginning that they're going to have veronica go back, go back to logan and piz is sort of there to drop in and be like hey don't do that don't go back to the guy that like you know you're obviously going to go back to and that's just like that sucks for a character to be that guy especially when it's you know from a, a likable actor otherwise like mm-hmm. it just it's, it's kind of a character that is designed for you to not like them and you don't you know so yeah anyway, yeah he was he um, was too weak to drive between them i think as a, as a as a sort of wedge like as a character and i think as it, just the last thing about that your point about that it's their behavior is believable by them as characters it's a great example of where like believability is not the marker of, of success in fiction. Like I think that a lot of times people look at, at fiction works of fiction and see, you know, plot arcs. I mean, this happened with game of Thrones a lot, like toward the end where people would be like, well, that makes sense for that character. They could do that. I'm like, yeah, sure. It's believable as a person in the world, but it doesn't work for the way the plot moves. You know, it doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't create the kind of things you need as a viewer. Like these are not real people. These are characters. They should do what their creator tells them to do to, you know, create the right things for the viewer in the audience. And I think that that's an example of where while they're, 
their behavior is believable for them as characters, it doesn't generate the kind of, of, of motion and momentum and sort of feel that you need out of characters and out of a work of fiction to make it resonate. It's also like the kind of thing where you can sort of see the strengths. Like they're, they're getting into these arguments and doing these things that are going to lead to them breaking up because they want them to break up yeah. as opposed to just sort of a natural evolution of the way their relationship goes. Like clearly when they found each other again, late in season two, like that, that was sort of like when you express that kind of feeling and emotion to someone and you declare like, you know, our, our story is epic spanning, you know, continents, years, lives, bloodshed, like that kind of thing. You don't like break up six months later, you know, like that yeah. doesn't seem like the kind of thing where that would happen. Um, even when you're like 19 years old, I think, especially with the, the things that those two have been through together, um, you know, a best friend and a girlfriend being murdered. His dad is the murderer. And, you know, they thought his, her, her dad died and his mom actually did die. And like, there's so many different things that they've been through together. So much holding them together that to have them, you know, drawn apart by things that are again, within their characters, but it's, it just seemed manipulated to get them to that place as opposed to something that would have actually happened to them. And when you can see the strings being pulled like that, it's the, it sort of throws off the drama. You need, you know, you need to sell the step-by-step of getting there as opposed to just being like, well, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Anyway, so this is the the question that we have within this sort of rubric, I guess, that we're working from that, that you came up with. When did she become, you know, a real sort of locked in character for you? For me, it was very early. Uh, basically when she tells off Weevil in the first episode, like <laughs> when, you know, you have a character who's got that kind of spark to her um, and especially is essentially very loyal already to someone that she doesn't even know in Wallace and is, you know, it tells you everything you need to know about her, that she's like a teenage girl who's a private investigator who's willing to stand up to the leader of a motorcycle gang, despite the fact that she has no one on her side and she's willing to do it for someone that she's literally just met. Like that is Veronica in a nutshell. So for me, it was very early. I'm curious when it happened. For you. Yeah, I think that um, I think that it's somewhere in that the, the the little bit we've already discussed that sort of episode four, episode five of the first season. Like either that. I think that the the case with the the sort of computer geniuses who are you know developing a new whatever they're developing and but you know screwing people out of money and she needs to get this money back to to protect Wallace. Um, that was really one of the first episodes where I feel like you know a little bit early on. You know, you saw her investigating, but the investigations were much more like, you know, the first scene she's in, it's like, oh, you're taking photos of somebody who's having an affair. Like, okay, like that seems pretty cut and dried PI stuff. You know, that the Wrath of Khan, that episode is where you really see her like deploy the entire toolbox, you know, like from the sort of dressing up as a gamer girl and going to like the which we don't have anymore, but like a place where you play video games against other people. And she's like pretending to be bad at it and then be good at it just to figure out who the guy is, who she needs to be, you know, who's one of the guys uh, who's got this, this, this ring going on and everything like that, like this, this con that's like sort of, I feel like you feel that flex there and that's really exciting. And then I think following it up with um, the Troy Vandergraaff episode that you think, you know, somebody where you think that maybe, you know, you're trying to assess the character. Like, is she, what are her vulnerabilities? Like, what are her strengths? So, you know, sort of as you're getting to know her. And at first, what looks like a vulnerability as far as falling for Troy, you're like, oh, it's great. You're finding a new boyfriend. You were, you were hurt. But then you're like, I don't know about this guy. And then when she flips it and just like, like drops him, like when he opens the pinata and it's full of just taffy, like just amazing. And I think that was that moment. Like I said, I mean, I think that whole episode for me was the one where I think I very distinctly remember that again, this was the era of Netflix where it came on a disc. Right. And so like, Mm -hmm. I think this was, I don't remember how many episodes were on a a disc, but it might've been four. So this might've been the first episode of the second disc I got or something. And I remember watching it after having watched a couple episodes and, 
you know, my now wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, you know, after I watched that episode, I was like, okay, we got to watch this show together. Like we're going back to the beginning and we're, we're watching it together. So I think that was really the point at which I was like, this character is not just fun. Like she has, she has legs as a character and there's going to be a lot here to dig in. Yeah. The, um, the wrath of Khan was what I had for the the next question where like, if you could pick one episode yeah. to show somebody that sort of encapsulates them as a character, like that episode, like when she walks into like the, I don't even know what you would call it, like that room that they're playing video games in. Yeah. Um, when she walks in there in that, you know, Japanime outfit and, you know, she just sits down in the middle and she's like, when she gets up and screams ownage, like that is <laughs> Veronica, like through and through right there where it's like, this is everything. Again, it's like everything you need to know about her and the lengths she'll go to, to, to do what she needs to do and to figure out like what she needs to figure out. It's, so for me, it was that episode. And then the, the poker game episode also and Echo's family Christmas, just yeah. because the, the Keith story in that episode too, um, is, is, is great just in terms of him investigating, you know, Aaron stalker. And that's also the episode where they provide essentially the first real clues. Like obviously we had seen earlier in the season that, that, uh, that Aaron beats Logan with a belt from time right. to time, but that's the episode where they drop like the first really big hints that Aaron is going to be the guy that murdered Lily because he's like, he just goes and circles all these women that he slept with. And like, you know, it's, um, and he's got a taste specifically for younger women too, in terms of, you know, his, his agent's wife and the caterer. And it's just like, they, they layer so much into that episode in terms of the cases that they're each working and how it pays off in the larger story. And like, there's that scene where Veronica is like snooping around the Eccles house and Keith is trying to get in and he's on the outside and it shows how Veronica, because she's still in high school, can sort of swing between these worlds in a way that Keith can't because, you know, adults are not as flexible in terms of the the way they'll interact with other adults where high schoolers are like, you know, yeah, Veronica can come do this because she's, you know, helping me solve my poker mystery. Like, even though Keith is helping Lynn Eccles, he's still not invited to their Christmas party, you know? Yeah. So that episode too was another one that I'm throwing out. Yeah. I think that, that those are two really good. I, I think that the wrath of Khan is definitely one I had, I had thought of um, the Eccles family Christmas one. Um, the is, it, is that the same one as the poker one or that's a different one? No, that's You're the same just, one. Yeah. That's the same one. Okay. Like that's an, that, that is also a really good one. I had not thought of um, this is probably Another one that I thought of with regard to um, that I that sort of code switching thing, which I think um, is, is is part of it. I, I think maybe it's not as good as Wrath of Khan because it doesn't show as much of her complete PI abilities. But the one of sort of figuring out that spoiler alert, I can't believe anybody's gotten this far into the, the this without listening, knowing a lot about Veronica Mars. But the one that's sort of where you reveal that that Mac and Madison were switched at birth. Um, that one is yeah. good because it dives a lot into that class issue stuff and it shows Veronica's ability to sort of straddle those worlds in a really good way. Um, and then this is very late. I would not recommend this to anybody to watch the first as the first episode, but it is maybe, you know, one of the best made episodes. And that is actually from the third season, which is spit and eggs. The one that where they're catching the rapist at Hearst college as a standalone episode, it's got a, it's got like sort of a, 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 it's got sort of what you would think of as a pulp fiction structure. It sort of shows the ending or the near ending, and then it goes back, and then it leads up to that, and then it shows after that. Um, and it's it's really well made as far as that. And then the twists that are revealed that are in it are really good. And I think that through that mechanism, you see Veronica navigate like shifting sands in a way, which is very much part of her character because she thinks she knows one thing. It changes. She has to adjust. She thinks she knows something else. She comes under danger. She runs. She thinks she's safe. She's actually in more danger and she gets out of that, you know? So there's, it's got, 
it's got a lot of action. It's got a lot of twists. And I think that you see the way she navigates that kind of situation in a way that is really true to her character and, and shows a lot of her character. But again, that's the third season. I wouldn't say, you know, start with that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, th- I think another one, by the way, is um, I think it's called Mars versus Mars, where sh- Veronica is trying to get the Adam Scott character, um, the, the teacher, her, right. her most liked teacher off of being accused of you know, sleeping with a student and Keith is investigating on behalf of the family and just the way they go head to head against each other and the way, you know, Veronica wins in terms of getting him off. But then at the end, she finds out that actually she's wrong and it was somebody else, not um, Carrie, who she slept with. Um, dear, but that that's another one that I think sort of exemplifies, you know, she's even willing to go up against Keith if it's for something or someone she believes in. And, you know, you, you mentioned, obviously, the, the class struggle in terms of that episode where we find out Mac and Madison were switched at birth. That is something the show was very prescient about class issues just in terms of the way they've essentially taken over society and then also the way everything is controlled by real estate now. Um, and then, obviously, all of season four is a very... Um, Obvious, but also very funny. Um, you know, Big Dick is essentially supposed to be Trump. Yeah, um, yeah, true. You know, the the nuts are the Make America Great Again people, and it's like they <laughs> right. even have a line like, "How did we allow ourselves to be taken over by you know a, a slimy real estate crook?" Um, <laughs> and yes, yeah. Um, so it's 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 all it's it's obvious, but they have a lot of fun with it, and it's very funny too. Um, anyway, so. Uh, do you think that you, Steve McPherson, would be friends with Veronica Mars, and what would your friendship be like? Um, I think that uh, I think that if we were to be friends, it would be in the the Wallace level of her just abusing like me for whatever limited abilities I had, and me just going along with it and thinking it was great, except occasionally rebelling a little bit. Um, <laughs> I think she'd probably be too much for me to handle. I mean, at this point, you know, I'm, I'm married. I have two kids. I don't see any reason that I would necessarily be friends with her. Um, it sort of depends on what age you're talking about. Um, I guess. Right. Um, cause she is would at this point in season four, she's more or less, she's slightly younger than me, but somewhat like my age. Um, and I think that, that there would be no, you know, I have a hard enough time being friends with my friends who don't have kids and are my friends, much less someone who's a private investigator who doesn't have kids. Um, so Probably not. If it had been back in high school, I could have seen being manipulated to do the kind of stuff that Wallace had to do. <laughs> yeah, I would say that I would hope that I'm her friend because I definitely don't want to be her enemy. Fair. Um, fair. <laughs> and she is, I believe she's a year older than me because the movie came out in 2014 and that was their 10 year reunion, which means they graduated high school in 2004 and I graduated yeah. in 2005. So we're in you know, the same general age range and you know, as another, you know, childless person of the same general age range like it's you know maybe we would have gone out to you know senior quacks or whatever it was called i can't remember <laughs> um something quacks uh on the boardwalk yes. if i lived in neptune um in, in high school i'm not sure i don't think i had a skill set in high school that she would have been able to use but i also don't think i would have been a person that she would have been like antagonistic towards like i think i would it would have been like the kind of friendship where like meg who was like nice to her but veronica didn't consider them a friend because she couldn't yeah. do anything for her and she wasn't like an outcast like her either. Yeah. Uh, so I think it would be sort of that kind of relationship in high school. And now I think I could be friends with her because both because I have skill sets that are somewhat useful in terms of, you know, I am a lawyer granted I'm not licensed to practice in California. So not sure how helpful that would be, but you I can, can at least, there. you know, do research. Um, <laughs> and you know, Mac, when she's out of town, maybe I could help with some of the computer stuff. Um, and then just like, if you ever need any sort of writing done, like I can help with that too. Um, 
yeah. Anyway, um, where do, where do we think Veronica is right now? I think pretty obvious the way they left off last season. You know, she's still working with Keith. She's trying to get over Logan. She is, you know, going to do cases essentially all around the country now because of the the way that she has gained some notoriety. Like, I don't think there's really any question to where Veronica is right now. Do you? No. Yeah. I think that I, I, I mean, I still, I hope I'm holding out hope that there might be more to be done with the character. Um, you know, I'm glad with the direction they went. I thought that, I thought that the direction that they had initially uh, for the fourth season before it got canceled was interesting, um, which was that she was going to be going to the FBI. Um, right. And so I actually I thought, like this better. Yeah. Like the way they, the way they did the actual fourth season, like the way they did that proposed fourth season was very much still in the same vein as what the show was in seasons one, two, and three, where yeah. what they did for the actual season four is like very much more a show for now, like we said yeah. earlier. Yeah. And, you know, just in terms of there being more like Rob Thomas has said that the only way he would have ended the season that way is if he thought that there was going to be more episodes and he hopes he gets to do more because of the way it ended. And, you know, that's like, you know, you go tell stories of Veronica now as like grieving Logan now too, but also Kristen Bell has said like, she'll do it until it's murder. She wrote. So (laughs) I, I think that we will get more at some point. I know she said that she wanted to take at least a little bit of a break from being the, the lead on a show after the good place because she's right. been doing that for so long but i would imagine that we will get that at some point whether it's a, you know a couple of years from now or even further down the line like if there's motivation from the creator and from the star to do it like i would imagine they could get more people to be in that show and like again ryan hansen's like kristen bell's best friend like you could get him in there you could get wallace in there um tina majorino who plays mac said that she wasn't in this season because there wasn't going to be a lot for mac to do I'm mm-hmm. sure that if they did more, you know, because of the way that the Mars investigations is going to be more prominent now, there would obviously be much more for Mac to do. I'm sure you could get her back to there. There are definitely ways you could do more of this show. And, yeah, uh, they, they've set it up well. It's, it's interesting because I think that the the move to try to move her to the FBI, like with a, with a sort of timeline jump immediately following season three, because there's like a trailer that came after season four, right? That like then that didn't get picked up, but was sort of the proposal for jumping the timeline forward some. Um, could have been interesting at that moment. I don't know if it could have sustained it over the next however many years, like dozen years or whatever, to get to the point where it got now to have the season four in a way that was – Again, it sort of created a great character who's who's got a lot more conflict because she 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 isn't in the FBI. She didn't do that stuff. She didn't achieve what she wanted to, um, you know, early on in the in in her career. Instead, she's sort of stuck. Um, you know, she's still in Neptune and everything like that. But now there's a sort of breaking free moment. So what happens in that time? At the same time as she's having to deal with you know grieving Logan, who's such a huge like counterweight and part of the show. I mean, so in a way, I mean. I mean, huge props to Rob Thomas, I think, for envisioning that future for her and then finding the compelling story in that future um, at a moment that, you know, again, it's like the fourth season happening directly after the third. You couldn't have had her be, you know, in her mid 30s or whatever. Right. Like instead, it like it came at the right time. And I think they did a great job with it. Um, finding finding the sort of the grit of that character in a way, again, uh, that was really great. It's also just like I think if that fourth season that happened at the time, I don't think we ever get the movie and the fourth season that we did get because right. once that character is in the fbi the world changed so much between then and now like you can't tell this kind of a story that they told in this fourth season with a veronica who's in the fbi because think about all the crap the fbi is dealing with these days like it's it's way more serious than anything that veronica deals with even though obviously she deals with things that are extremely serious um anyway um last few questions here um what is the actor's influence on the character and could anyone else 
have played her. I actually have a pretty long list of char- of actresses I think could have played Veronica, but the character is so very much Kristen Bell. Like she brings a combination of tenacity and warmth at the same time and sarcasm. Like the way she plays Veronica is is so singular but i do think that depending on whether you're casting the role now or when the 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 actors were in high school i do think there are a few different people that could have played her or a version of her Mm -hmm. but her influence is so strong that it seems like almost sacrilegious to consider anybody else in the role yeah what i want to hit me with a couple of these ideas because i'm I'm fascinated so I think just because of the range that I saw her show on Orphan Black, I think Tatiana Maslany mm. could have played. God, she's great. She's great in that show. <laughs> yeah, she's yeah. she's so good in it. She's like, and then I think you saw her. Um, I don't know. Did you see that movie where Jake, uh, the the Boston Marathon bombing movie where Jake Gyllenhaal plays like the guy who loses his legs? Um, Tatiana Maslany plays, uh, you know, his his wife in okay. that. Or his girlfriend in that. I don't remember which one. And she's unbelievable in that. Like the range of emotions she plays in that movie. Like she she could have nailed this at some point. Like I don't know if she had the same acting skill when she was in high school. But I think just she is someone who could have pulled it off. And I think she could have pulled off this this season four. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of I had a few younger actors. Like if you were to cast it now, who would play that role? I think um, Chloe Moretz, who played um, Jack Donaghy's um, like teenage rival Kaylee Hooper on 30 Rock. Right, okay. Um, she's in the middle of this comedy show playing like the most serious character. And just like the way she spars with Alec Baldwin, like she clearly could have nailed the Veronica quippiness. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she has the the hard exterior necessarily, but there's something there that I think she could have done it. Um, another one I had was Anya Taylor-Joy, who I haven't really seen in much, but was in the, this most recent season of Peaky Blinders, and she just has like a similar look and a similar, again, quippiness. And she also nails the the hard exterior in that too, because she's the one that's like the driving. For- I don't know if you watch Peaky Blinders. I have not. But, uh, it's it's very good and like unbelievable acting and writing too. Like basically every British person who is good um, pops up at some point. Like Tom Hardy's in it. Uh, mm-hmm. Aiden Gillen, who's Littlefinger yeah. from Game of Thrones, is in it. Like, well, so I work in soccer. I, so- I work in soccer now, and like everybody, like the coaching staff of Minnesota United have all been on Peaky Blinders. Like, this is the oh. big thing last season because our, our our coach Adrian Heath is is you know from Newcastle under Lyme, so he's sort of in that Birmingham area, and so mm-hmm. like he's very much he, he was really into it, and I guess he got the rest of the coaching staff into it. So Peaky Blinders is like a, a team favorite apparently. <laughs> so I guess I need to catch up. I, I strongly recommend watching it. It's there's, I think there are like six or eight episode seasons, but it's really good but anyway she was in the most recent season and she plays like a a vaguely antagonistic role but she also like is clearly quippy and likable so i think she could have done it at some point too Mm -hmm. um i think if you were casting now for the high school version um kiernan shipka who was sally draper and now plays um sabrina the teenage witch for for netflix Mm -hmm. um i think just in terms of like you know the the blonde girl and she also has like she's quippy on sabrina and she can obviously do dramatic very well from her days on mad men i think she could have done that and then like if you're getting into changing what she looks like or you know race blind casting or anything like that like i think zendaya could have done it sure yeah those i hadn't really thought about it i mean i think of it as being veronica veronica mars is kristen bell just so much that it's it's hard to think of it another way i i was thinking that um 
you know, interesting because she's on the show. I don't know if she would have, you know, based on how she is on the show, I don't know if she would nail it then. But uh, Kristen Ritter as Jessica Jones, I feel like brings some of that energy mm-hmm. that like wounded, um, I'm going to fight for what I, for the people who are, are mine energy. Um, probably darker than Veronica Mars overall. Like obviously Jessica Jones is, but like, you know, maybe she could have brought that. Um, the only person I think of now, I mean, I think those are good suggestions that you made. Did you watch um, uh, I'm Not Okay With This? Um, I don't think so. So that's familiar, but I don't think I watched it. Very good show. I, it's short six or seven episodes. Um, and the lead in that is this woman, Sophia Lillis, who's, you know, again, it's, she's a high schooler in it. Oh yeah. She's and, like, uh, she plays the young version of Amy Adams in, um, what was the, the, the detective type show that Amy Adams did on HBO? Oh yes. I can't remember the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. Um, um yeah, with like, uh, sharp object. Yes. Sharp. Object. Yes. There you yes. Go. She, so, she plays young Amy Adams in that. So I know she, yes. Oh, and apparently she's in Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase last year. So she's already played Nancy Drew. So that that ties in well with my belief. But in in I'm Not Okay With This, she's uh, a, a teenager whose father committed suicide like the year before. And she's sort of an outcast. And, um, you know, she, she has she has superpowers, which is sort of slowly revealed. Um, and it only really starts hitting at the end where it sort of leaves off in a cliffhanger the next season. But strongly recommended. Very good. Very funny. She has a great sidekick slash sort of boyfriend. He was a great character in that, but uh, she sort of could bring that, you know, introverted, dark, um, but with ability, you know, sort of feel, I think. So that's a good nominee. I, I liked her in Sharp Objects. I don't know that I've necessarily seen her in anything else. I think she also is, um, she was in It. I didn't, I didn't yeah. see that. I'm not a horror movie person, but I know she played like the young version of the character Jessica Chastain played in the next It, which like, sure. you know, you're a redheaded actress. Like you play young Amy Adams and young <laughs> Jessica Chastain. Like, right. right. Well, she's got the know, Jessica like, Chastain connection to Veronica Mars too. So there you oh, go. that's true. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe she could have, you know, solved Jessica Chastain's, what was it? Her boyfriend was doing something. Yeah. And it's, oh, she was, uh, she was an artist and... by her father. Yes. Or right. stepfather. Yeah. The show was dark sometimes, man. It could be really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, could the show exist without her? Obviously not even close. Like yeah. the show is her name. Like her, yes. her name is the show. <laughs> yep. it, can, it cannot exist without her. It cannot exist without Kristen Bell. It would be terrible if it did exist without Veronica or without Kristen Bell. Like, I don't even know how you make a show work without that character. Um, I guess you could do a, a show about just Keith as a private investigator, but then it would just be called Keith. Yeah. Well, they do, do they, they do some interesting, um, you know, alternate reality takes. Sometimes you see um, there's, there's like a, a dream at the end of season two where she's with Logan, but she's totally normal and she doesn't know Wallace. Like she never met him, you know, and things like that. And so they do some interesting things with that, where it's like she, Veronica Mars is still a person, but she didn't become the sort of talented, skilled detective. She just was a kid. Um, and it's sort of, it, those are sort of interesting little windows into this idea that, you know, it's, it's, it's simpler, but it might not be better. Like there's a lot of things, even with the darkness that comes along with the life that she has, um, there's, there's good things like her relationship with Wallace and like all the stuff that comes out of it. And I think the show has always been really good at that, you know, not sort of casting things in simple, just black and white, but sort of playing those things off each other to show that there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of elements to every situation, which are both bad and good. So. Yeah. I think it's also just like, it's interesting to glimpse those things for a couple minutes to show us how life could have been different. But if the whole show was like that, it's a much different show. Like you're getting into, you know, now it's like Dawson's Creek or something, you know, yeah, totally. uh, which Dawson's Creek has its merits. I watched that show. Um, I didn't watch it at the time it was on. I binge watched it at some point <laughs> in my life, which interesting show to binge watch. Um, <laughs> but 
it's it's obviously a much different show, and, and certainly Veronica would be a much different person. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, also, I also have to say, um, we're almost we're almost done with this. That I um, I owned a sidekick for a number of years because of Veronica Mars. Basically, oh wow, like, I never owned a sidekick. Um, oh, it was great. I still I, miss it. I had not watched Veronica Mars at the time when sidekicks were a thing. Yeah, but maybe I would have. You know, I, maybe not, I would have owned a sidekick. I had like, I think when it was on, when I was watching it initially, I had a, a, a flip phone or maybe I had a Blackberry or something like that, but I hated it. I hated my Blackberry and I just wanted a sidekick because that's what Veronica Mars had. And so I got a sidekick. I think I only had it for maybe like a year or two. And it was the first phone I had where you could get your email on it really. And you could get ringtones and like all that stuff. And, uh, and it was great. And the form factor of it, like the flipping the screen up, like I just loved it. And then it, it broke. And I think that's when I got an iPhone and that's what I've had since then. But I would still, I would buy a sidekick if they came back for sure they should just go back to making sidekicks 100 percent. definitely just, like, market it as like a nostalgia kind of thing or even a veronica mars had one of these kind of thing I veronica think mars branded sidekick yeah uh so, i mean there was enough people that were interested in that to get a movie made there you, you go know? <laughs> um and and to get us you know a revival on hulu <laughs> ah, man i hope it comes back again at yeah. some point like i just i want to watch more and not just because i you know like that kind of show but also just like I want to see that her in that role again. Like absolutely, this this whole cast together again. By the way, Keith's arc in the most recent season was great too. Yeah, like for sure, re- recovering from you know the accident that he had in the movie, and just even the way that they were able to show like the problems in the healthcare system through his physical and mental issues, and then just like he finally made a friend with the J.K. Simmons character, mm-hmm. but also you know his moral code didn't allow him to remain friends with him because of what he did. Like. And it was, you know, it was clear to both of them that they were playing each other the whole time. And like, they knew that. And um, the J.K. Simmons character, I can't remember his name for some reason, Clyde, was, yeah. was willing to overlook it. Um, but Keith wasn't. And that was sort of a, you know, a way to show that what Keith's character is, because they had an obvious connection. But there was this one difference between them where, you know, Clyde was willing to obviously do illegal things, um, but also he was willing to overlook things even like Keith trying to get over on him to remain friends with him because he liked him and it's not easy for guys like that to make friends but Keith wasn't and he was willing to sort of cut this person out of his life even though he clearly got along with him because that's who Keith is and you know, it's, it's sort of a contrast to Veronica too or a, not a, a contrast like a similarity to Veronica where like there are clearly things that she should do in terms of growing up and being willing to you know accept Logan for who he is now and the ways he's changed and be willing to change herself but she was not willing to do that. And then obviously what happens with Logan at the end sort of motivates her to do that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. No, Enrico Calantoni is great. So, Oh, he's fantastic. And then just like, obviously all of these people pop up and party down at some point. Yeah. Um, and, you know, in- including JK Simmons. Um, I don't know that Pat Oswalt is ever in party down, but everybody else that's on the show at some point. Is, yeah. Party down is great too. So fantastic show but you brought up Kristen Ritter I think the one thing that might make it a little bit difficult for her is that she's just not as small as Kristen Bell sure and a, a large part of Veronica being underestimated is like she's a tiny blonde girl yeah um at, you know even now as an adult like Kristen Bell is just a very tiny person um mm-hmm. so I think some of that like I think Kristen Ritter is like kind of tall like I remember in um in Breaking Bad the image of her and Jesse like she's taller then Aaron Paul, yeah, she's five nine, which she's five know, nine. Is, is is tall for a girl. Obviously, I think Kristen Bell is like you know five maybe. Um, <laughs> I don't even know, but uh, yeah, five one. So she's much smaller. Yeah, yeah, she's a lot sure. Yeah, so I, I think that that sort of plays into you know the the way she gets underestimated too. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, anything else you got on Veronica as a character, Veronica Mars as a show, 
Man, I think we uh, I think we covered a lot of we covered a lot of ground here. So I don't think we're yeah, we wound <laughs> up going for like an hour and a half. This is so much fun. Like I could, yeah, it's great. I could honestly talk about Veronica for another hour and a half, probably. Like we could have done the entire list of questions again, and I could come up with a bunch of different answers and would still be able to do it. And I would have more to talk about when we were done. I know. I thought there were so many things that I thought of that were like other great episodes or moments that, you know, even non-Veronica stuff. I mean, again, like just when you're talking about Enrico Colantoni, his character is Keith Mars, like the one where he runs the guy out of Wallace's mom's apartment um, is such a great episode for him. Like sort of one of the first episodes where he stands out is like this. He's like, oh, he can really get it done. Like he goes in there and threatens the guy and goes nuts and the guy goes running away. And it's like, it's a great moment. And so there, there's 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 tons of that. It's 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 a show that really rewards you know, all the characters, I mean, it takes time with all of them. Veronica is obviously still that, that central character, but, um, it's great to rewatch because again, it has, the seasons have arcs, but there's also just individual episodes within it that are, that are great to just pop in on it. Absolutely. And they also just, you know, you mentioned it, like they eventually develop every character who is ever even a recurring character on the show. They get some sort of arc on there, as long as they're, you know, interacting with Veronica, either, you know, as part of her friend group or as part of a case or something like that. Like the only characters that don't really develop at all are like, they don't develop for specific reasons. And it's because they are either older, like, you know, Vinny and Cliff, or sure. because they're there to provide a specific kind of counterweight to Veronica, like Madison, you know, yeah. like everybody else, even Dick gets, you know, yeah character development beaver even gets character yeah, development yeah like definitely everybody does um anyway great show great time talking about it steve thank you so much man really appreciate it and uh we'll be back with another episode next week